Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, and Impact Wrestling. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. Monday Night Raw, a couple things to note. Andy Kaufman will be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. So right now we have Rey Mysterio, Andy Kaufman, and the Great Muda. And also, on Monday Night Raw, we will get an Edge... A video package and Edge basically tells Finn to bring the demon to WrestleMania because the devil wants to meet him. Because now I feel that we're going to get Edge's uh, brood character going against Finn's the demon character inside Hell in a Cell. And personally, I'm ready for that. Now, Raw will open up with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn coming out to the ring. This will be an apology fest between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Sami would apologize about making it seem that taking down the bloodline was a business transaction instead of. This being a thing between two friends, and Kevin Owens will talk about how he's always been a Sami Zayn guy, been Sami's biggest supporter and fans. The Usos will come out and cut through all this crap. The people in the crowd knows where this is going, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will challenge the Usos to a match at WrestleMania for the tag championships. Jimmy at first would decline the challenge until Jay tells Jimmy that this could be their one shot to handle their Kevin Owens and Sami problem, so the Usos would accept. And then a fight would commence between both teams. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn would get the upper hands on the Usos, making the Usos leave the ring and get chairs. But referees would come down before the Usos could get back in the ring and use them. Now, suddenly on the Titantron, you will see a car pull up, and it's Roman, Solo, and Paul Heyman, and now they're entering the arena. The Usos would see this, and then they will head back to the back. Now, later in the night, you will see the bloodline in their locker room, and Roman would ask for the room and tell Jay to stay. Now, with them being the only two men in the room, Roman would ask Jay, is he with the bloodline? Because he's making decisions like he is. Jay would tell Roman that he is with the bloodline, and Roman would say that is good. And before Jay left the room, Roman would tell him that he loves him. Now, also later on in the night, you would see Usos, Solo, outside of their locker room, Paul walks out and tells them that the jet is ready for them. They got food on board, and Roman has sent them to basically go off and enjoy the rest of their night. Now, you see the Usos all happy about it. Solo will begin to walk with them, but Paul will stop Solo and say, Roman needs to speak with you. So, Usos will leave, and Paul, Solo, and Roman will be there for the rest of the night. Now, time for the first match of the night. You'll get Austin Theory going against Montez Ford. Austin Theory would win the match by pinfall by hitting A-Town down. After the match, Theory would get on the mic and say that Montez Ford didn't believe in him, and now he does. John Cena doesn't believe in him, but at WrestleMania, John Cena will believe in Austin Theory. So again, this is giving Austin Theory more momentum as he goes into his United States Championship match against John Cena at WrestleMania. After this, we have Omos with MVP in this corner going against Mustafa Ali. Omos would win the match by pinfall by hitting a double-handed chokeslam for the win. And it was announced that next week on Raw, Omos and Brock Lesnar will have a weigh-in. It's going to be interesting to see how they do this weighing without it being cheesy. Now, after this, it's time for Logan Paul to come down to the ring and host Impulsive. The fans would boo Logan, as Logan expects it. Logan would say that he doesn't need to be here. He's already made his millions, and he's doing this because he wants to do it. Logan will say that it isn't his fault that he's just that good at this. Logan will go on to talk about his upcoming match with Seth Rollins and mentions that he has met a lot of guys named Seth, and Seth isn't a name that you could be afraid of. Logan will have the production truck play a video of him knocking out Seth weeks ago, 
the video would play over and over. And then Logan's mic would mess up and everybody would think that it's a regular production issue because WWE has that from time to time. But on the Titantron, you would see Seth Rollins messing around in the production truck and Seth would say that he is here to save this god-awful episode of Impulsive. So Seth would come down to the ring. Seth gets in the ring. Seth would take Logan down with a double leg takedown and now you have a brawl between both Seth and Logan. Seth would pull Logan Paul out of the ring and now they brawl backstage Officials would come down to the ring, separate them. Logan and uh, Seth would break away from their people and go back at it with each other. Seth would put Logan on the announce table and go to the top turnbuckle, but Logan would move off the commentary table. This would make Seth jump off the top rope onto some production people outside. And once Seth got up, he would try to go after Logan, but Logan would hit Seth Rollins with a knockout punch, laying Seth out. So this is Logan Paul's third time, basically KO and Seth. First time was at Elimination Chamber by hitting him with the curb stomp. After that was a couple weeks ago with the knockout punch. And now this time, this is his third time in a row. So right now, it seems that Seth is going to have a lot more anger going into his match with Logan at WrestleMania. As Logan just keeps on getting more cocky and cocky. Now, after this, we have Dominic Mysterio with Damian Priest in his corner going against Johnny Gargano, who has Dexter Loomis in his corner. Dominic would win the match by pinfall by hitting a frog splash for the win. And Dominic would announce that he will be heading over to SmackDown because that's where the entire Rey Mysterio family will be. And he plans on asking his mother to make his dad fight him at WrestleMania because that's the only way he knows Rey will actually do it. So that's Dom's plan and we'll have to see if Dominic actually succeeded with that. Now Rhea Ripley will come down to the ring and she will talk about what she did to Charlotte Flair on SmackDown last week. Rhea will say that she doesn't live in the past, unlike Charlotte, who keeps on bringing up their match at WrestleMania three years ago. But this isn't the same Rhea that is going to beat Charlotte at WrestleMania. Rhea will speak some more, then Damage Control will come out. Bailey will say that if Rhea needs some pointers on being Charlotte at WrestleMania, all she has to do is ask her role model, Bailey. Since Bailey beat Charlotte at her first Mania, Rhea will say that she never asked for Bailey's help and doesn't need it. Bailey would take exception to Rhea's attitude, and Rhea would tell Bailey that she can take on any member of the damage control in this ring. So Bailey would be the one to take on Rhea Ripley. And also, funny thing to note, Rhea Ripley was out here in street gear while Bailey was out here in wrestling gear. So Rhea would win the match by pinfall by hitting Riptide for the win, but Lita and Trish and Becky Lynch will come down to the ring. Lita and Trish would take care of damage control around the rings to make sure they did not interfere towards the end of the match. So that's the reason how Rhea would beat Bailey here. Now, after this, we have Ricochet with Braun Strowman in his corner going against Chad Gable, who had Otis in his corner. Ricochet would win the match by pinfall when Maxine Dupree would come down to the ringside and lead Otis to the back. Chad would be distracted by this, and Chad would try to hit Chaos Theory on Ricochet, but Ricochet would counter that and hit sliced bread, then go to the top turnbuckle and hit a shooting star press for the win. Now we're off to the main event tag matchup of Bianca Belair and Asuka going against Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. Bianca would win the match for her team by pinfall by hitting Piper with a KOD. That will never not be impressive, by the way. Just YouTube, Bianca Belair, KOD, Piper Niven, or Dewdrop, and you can just see the pure strength that Bianca Belair has. Again, it will never not be impressive, her doing that move to somebody that's bigger than her. Anyway. After the match, Asuka would attack Bianca from behind, and Asuka would hit Bianca with a spinning heel kick, and then a sliding kick to the head. Now we're starting to get something on here, because now they really ain't got no other choice, because really they only got one more 
episode of Raw until WrestleMania. So let's see what they do next week on Raw to spice up uh, the match leading into Mania with Bianca and Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship. Now off to the main event segment of Monday Night Raw. Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Sol Sokoa will come down to the ring. Roman will hit his Acknowledge Me catchphrase. And before he can get down to business, he will be interrupted by Cody Rhodes. Cody will come down to the ring and now we get right to business. And he will talk to Roman about their warnings to Cody to stay out of their family business, bloodline business, even calling it a Cody Rhodes problem. So Cody will ask Roman to define what that means. Roman would first say that Cody is something that him and Paul used to be wrestlers. The industry used to be wrestlers, but now Roman is something else. He's evolved from that. He's a fighter, which being a fighter has allowed him to become a megastar. Roman would then start to list off Cody's track record of his time being in WWE in the past. Look at your track record. You didn't want to do the Stardust thing, so what happened? You ran away. And what happened? You ran away, you started a company and a promotion that you couldn't get over in, and then you ran away. And then you came here... And he got over, and his body quit on him as your little peck went pop. You're not cut out for this. Now, what you just heard was Roman basically filleting Cody and cooking him in the middle of the ring. And you would think that Cody wouldn't have something to say, but Cody would. April 3rd, you've got to wake up without these titles that mean the most in our world. And when that happens, here's what else happens. Jay is going to leave you. And then... Jimmy will leave you too. So no Usos, guess what happens then? Solo, who you've been glaring at me all night. Let me tell you something that I had to find out when I was a second generation flanked by the champion. You think you're ready, you're not ready. Solo leaves you too. And when Solo leaves you, this man, well, he becomes an advocate again. So there you'll be, a man without a family. A Roman with no more reigns, a chief without a tribe. So with Roman basically getting cooked by Cody, and this is Cody twisting the dagger into Roman's paranoia, because we all know Roman has that big paranoid ego spot driven of whenever he feels that his family, the bloodline, is basically going to leave him. He starts getting more paranoid, more upset, and he's whole thing starts clicking in his head and you can see it because once Cody is done saying all of that Roman doesn't retort he doesn't say nothing he just drops the mic and he leaves the ring Paul would follow him Solo would get in the face of Cody and Roman would have to be tapped on the shoulder by Paul and Roman would turn around and ask Paul what's Solo doing so then you hear Roman call for Solo Solo starts walking out of the ring and then Cody would get at Solo and say, I knew you weren't ready. Then Solo would turn around, take the towel off his head, yell out, and then Cody would boot Solo right in the face. Now Solo's about to get up, yell again, and he's about to charge at Cody. Roman will quickly get on the ring apron, grab Solo, and tell Solo it's not going to be on his time. It's going to be on our time. Let's go. Let's leave. And that's how Raw ends. So this is starting to see the cracking of the foundation of the bloodline starting to really crumble because if your general can't control his soldiers your army fails so if roman can't control solo and the usos are already starting to get a little bit tired because you saw that a little bit at the beginning especially with jay you already know this 
Roman's whole bloodline, his whole empire, his whole tribe will literally turn his back on him. And there's nothing he could do about it. And that's the fact that Roman's facing right now. So with that, that is your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to NXT. More matches were made for Stand and Deliver. First match will be an eight-person tag match. The Schism going against Chase U and Tyler Bate with the winners getting control of Chase University. The second match that will be announced will be a triple threat tag match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. It will be the Creeds going against Tony D'Angelo and Stax going against the NXT Tag Champions, Gallus. Also, not on Stand and Deliver, but next week on NXT, Eddie Thorpe, formerly New Japan Pro Wrestling's Carl Fredericks, will make his debut on NXT. This was a shock to me because once they showed his vignette, they didn't show him as Carl Fredericks. They just, like made brief hints, at least he did. You could tell by if you watch Carl Frederick from New Japan or if you know anything about him, you knew whenever you saw like the earring and you saw his a little bit of his face, he shaved his head. He did not have his hair anymore. So that's a new thing, and he now is going to be having a DJ-style gimmick. So let's see where that goes. Hopefully, he at least succeeds at NXT. NXT is all about uh trying a couple things out to see what works for you. So... Eddie Thorpe, formerly known as Carl Fredericks, will now be in NXT, but he's now under the WWE uh, umbrella. Now, off to NXT, Pretty Deadly would open up the show when they would come down to the ring. They would mention that as host of Stand and Deliver, their first act is to have footage of them being embarrassed last week erased. For the people that didn't watch NXT last week, they're talking about Gallus beating them and also Mello and Braun putting them through a table last week. So you would then see Pretty Deadly trash talk Carmelo and Braun about them being put through a table. Then you would see Melo and Trick come down to the ring and tell Pretty Deadly to shut up. Trick would trash talk Pretty Deadly and Pretty Deadly would say that if they want a tag match tonight, then they got it. Trick would announce it would be Pretty Deadly going against Melo and NXT champion Braun Breaker. This would surprise Melo and then you would see Pretty Deadly just attack Trick and Melo. Braun will come down to make the save, sending Pretty Deadly out of the ring. And then Braun will let Melo know that he will be keeping him safe until they have their match at Stand and Deliver. So that's what we have on card for the main event of NXT. Now off to the first match of the night. It will be an NXT Women's Championship qualifying match. It will be Indy Hartwell going against Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany would win the match by pinfall by hitting a steamroller, then finish her with the BME Best Moonsault Ever. And now Tiffany has qualified herself to the women's ladder match at Stand and Deliver. After this, we will have Wes Lee, the North American champion, coming down to the ring. Wes would explain why he does the open challenges. It's because he feels that since he was given a shot at the North American championship, he feels it's his duty to give people the same opportunities. And Wes mentions that he wants to face the best in the world, so that's the reason why he does it, and also he likes the chaos. Also, Dragon Lee will come down to the ring. Dragon Lee will say that he wants to be a part of the chaos and a part of the match at Stand and Deliver for the North American Championship. Wes will let Dragon Lee know that he has followed his career from Mexico to Japan, and he always wanted to step in the ring with Dragon Lee, so he gives Dragon Lee the first spot in that North American Championship five-way at Stand and Deliver. Then you will see J.D. McDonough come down to the ring, and he would say that the Lees are putting each other over. J.D. would take offense to Wes saying that he wants to face the best, and J.D. feels that he is the best. J.D. will let Wes know that he should feel lucky he never went after the North American Championship because if he had, Wes would have never became champion. 
Ilya will come down to the ring, and we will get our match with Ilya Dragunov going against JD McDonough. And that match would end in a no contest. When Dragon Lee was watching the match at ringside, JD will roll out of the ring and continue brawling with Ilya, and then they will make their way over to Dragon Lee and topple on top of Dragon Lee. Now, once JD McDonough and Dragon Lee both got to their feet, JD would punch Dragon Lee in the face. Ilya would accidentally punch Dragon, and then this would make Dragon Lee get into the brawl with JD and Ilya, and then this would make the referee call for the bell. Now, as the three men would brawl outside of the ring, Wesley would appear out of nowhere and just hop over the top rope onto the three guys outside of the ring, and now all four guys will begin to brawl, and then we go to commercial break. Now, once we come back for commercial, Wesley's being interviewed backstage, and he would announce that Ilya Dragunov and JD Madonna have taken second and third spots in the North American Championship match at Stand and Deliver. Now, we only have one more spot to be filled, and Axiom will come up to Wes and ask for him to be a part of that because he just wants the opportunity. Wes will tell Axiom that he respects Axiom, and he's always been trying to get that opportunity himself. So, he will let Axiom know he will have to basically go through people next week in a battle royale to get that spot at stand delivered act seems happy about it he just told us listen that's all i ever wanted was an opportunity so next week for the fifth and final spot in the north american championship uh match at stand and deliver we will get a battle royal to see who will uh, fill out that fifth spot now after this we will go to the ring and johnny gargano's music would hit and everybody expects johnny gargano to come out but it's not johnny it's big body javi Javier Bernal. Javier will come out and say that Johnny took his spot as Stand and Deliver. And this will send Johnny Gargano to come out and dispose of Javier Bernal. He would throw him outside of the ring, beat him up, throw him over the barricade. Johnny Gargano would get in the ring, take a mic, and talk directly towards Grayson Waller. And say that he has a contract for an unsanctioned match as Stand and Deliver. Grayson Waller will appear on the Titantron and tell Johnny to hand that contract to his best friend, Vic Joseph, who's a commentator for NXT. And next week, he will sign it only if Johnny Gargano is banned from the arena next week. Johnny would agree to the condition. Javier Burnell will get back in the ring and Johnny would super kick him. So that's the end of this segment. And I'm glad they go on with the unsanctioned match a uh, step because last week with Johnny Gargano getting basically ambushed at his residence by Grayson Waller, there was no way this thing could just be a regular match between these two guys that stand and deliver. So it made perfect sense for them to do this unsanctioned uh, situation. Now, off to the match after this. We have the NXT Women's Qualifying Match. Ivy now going against Lyra Valkyria. Lyra would win the match by pinfall by hitting a spinning heel kick for the win. So, the participants for the ladder match at Stand and Deliver for the NXT Women's Championship are Lyra Valkyria, Tiffany Stratton, Zoe Starks, and Gigi Dolan. Next week on NXT... There will be a triple threat match for a last shot to get into this ladder match. The participants will be Ivy Nile, Indy Hartwell, and Sol Ruka. So those are the three women that will get their last shot to try to get into this ladder match at Stand and Deliver, and that match will happen next week. Now off to the main event, tag team matchup. Pretty Deadly going against Carmella Hayes and Braun Breaker, and they have Trick Williams in their corner. Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes would win the match by pinfall when Melo would hit Kit Wilson with the code breaker. Then Braun Breaker would hit the spear and then Melo would finish it off with nothing but net for the win. Now, as usual, Melo and Braun, at first they would 
tried to fix a couple of their kinks out because they wanted to make sure they didn't hit one another accidentally because, again, they're trying to preserve each other until they get to stand and deliver so both of them can have the best version of each other. So that's what this match was all about. Pretty Deadly was trying to make each person basically inadvertently hit the other, but it never worked. So Melo and Braun basically overpowered and outskilled Pretty Deadly in those uh, situations here. And at the end of the match, you would see Carmelo Hayes grab the NXT championship and he would just extend it out to Braun Breaker. Braun would hold it and Carmelo wouldn't release it for a minute. And then Braun would gently pull on it more and then Carmelo would let go of it. So we're again seeing the friendliness of competition between, again, two of the best in NXT right now of Melo and uh, Braun. And it's still so subtle that it's something that hasn't been done in a long time again and something like this between two of the best on a company who Melo technically is a fan favorite but he is a bad guy technically and Braun Breaker who is a good guy but he gets booed by the fans but the fans still respect Braun because Braun's been putting in that work and you get two guys that respect each other just the competitors of Melo and Braun that they're not speaking bad about each other it's just so refreshing to see it and they're having it on nxt you don't see this on the main roster so again it's weird but it's a nice subtle weird to see to let everybody know that hey for you to want to see something else that's not always so cliche go to nxt and just watch their product and uh you actually will be at least entertained because again these are the stars that will be coming up to the main roster and hopefully with the right person that actually can push their careers in the right direction now the Triple H hopefully to God still has the creative book in his hand. Um, he can actually push these stars from NXT into the main roster and actually make them stars the way they're supposed to be. But I digress again. That was me being on my nerd stuff. But that was your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to AEW Dynamite. On Dynamite, they would announce that Rampage will be airing on Saturday night. So for this episode of Wrestling Highlights of the Week, you will have no AEW Rampage uh, results. Now, to start off Dynamite, they will show the Young Bucks being uh, carried away in the ambulance, and Hangman would ride with Nick Jackson to the hospital in one ambulance, while Brandon Keller would ride with Matt in the other ambulance. Kenny Omega would be held back by Don Callis, because Don wanted Kenny to focus on his match with El Helio de Vikingo in the main event of Dynamite. So then after this, we would get to our first match of the night. It will be Orange Cassidy teaming up with Darby Allin and Sting as they go against Kip Sabian and the Butcher and the Blade with Penelope Ford in their corner. Sting would get the win for his team by a pinfall by hitting the Scorpion Death Drop on Kip Sabian for the win. Nice, solid uh, trios matchup here with Sting getting the win. I like that. And after the match, you will see Darby Allin looking up at the double or nothing uh, big poster sign in the arena. So that tells you where Darby's mind is headed he wants to go to double or nothing and more likely again he wants to face mgf for the aew world championship now after this we get our aew tag team championship matchup the guns going against top flight the guns would win the match by pinfall by hitting 310 to yuma on dante martin for the win the kingdom would attack darius martin outside of the ring towards the end of the match so that's the reason why darius couldn't help out his brother now after the match ftr will come down to the ring the Guns will tell FTR that they're losers, they lost three sets of tag team championships, and that they also lost to them. They would say that FTR has nothing to offer them for them to get a championship matchup, because that's the reason why FTR is out here. FTR would first say that they 
would put up that they would never challenge for the championships again if they lose to the guns. The guns would decline. Then offer to never tag again. And the guns still would decline. So FTR will pull out one more desperation. And they will say that if they don't win the championships from the guns, then they will leave AEW. That has the guns' attention, and they would agree to that condition. So FTR would extend their hands out for a shake, and the guns would spit in the face of FTR, then leave the ring fast. So we have that match. We don't know when it's going to be announced, when it's going to happen, but I guarantee you, whenever it happens, it's going to have everybody's eyes locked in to see if FTR is either going to stay with AEW or leave because nobody knows if they're actually staying or leaving because their contract uh, is expiring and they're just coming up so they don't know what the whole deal is. So this either could be their farewell match or they're just re-sign back match. So time will tell. Now after this, we have a no disqualification match. Stokely Hathaway versus Hook and the firm was banned from ringside. Hook would win the match by referee stoppage after Hook will lock in the red room after hitting a T-bone suplex on the guardrail, which would ultimately knock out Stokely Hathaway. Now, this was a fun, entertaining matchup here. At the beginning of the match, you had Stokely trying to get out of it by saying he has a doctor's note and he's also retiring. So Stokely would call Justin to come over to read the note. And once Justin would open the note, it's just basically a receipt from Wingstop. So that didn't count. He would have the match. Stokely would try to do everything he can to uh, tried to outbeat Hook, but that was nothing. The only thing he actually got of offense was literally uh, using a fire extinguisher on Hook. But other than that, 99% of this match was basically Hook just beating up on Stokely. So again, it was real entertaining. Now, after this, we have Adam Cole coming down to the ring. Adam will let everyone know that they are seven days away from his in-ring return and how he feels. He feels great, and he can't wait to return back into the ring. Adam would mention the elephant in the room. Who is he going to be facing next week? Daniel Garcia would then decide to come down to the ring, and Daniel would feel himself, saying that since Adam has been gone, he has become somewhat of a locker room leader. He would mention how he has main evented more uh, shows on AEW than anybody on the roster. Daniel will list off opponents that he has beaten, Brody King, uh, Brian Danielson, and other opponents. And Daniel would ask Adam Cole what makes him so special. Adam would say that when they ring the bell, that's what makes him special. Now, this was a callback to Adam Cole completely obliterating Kieran Cross whenever they actually had a face-to-face confrontation in NXT. So they would get that here. Adam would talk his talk to Daniel Garcia, and in the end, he would tell Daniel that if he's challenging him to a match, then he's on. So next week, we get Adam Cole going against Daniel Garcia for Adam Cole's first match back from injury. Now, after this, we have John Moxley with Claudio Castagnoli and We're the Unit in his corner going against Stu Grayson, who had the Dark Order in his corner. Moxley would win the match by pinfall by hitting an avalanche Death Rider for the win. Stu Grayson, he looked good against John Moxley here. This was a solid match between both of these two guys. And you didn't have no type of uh, outside interference from either the Blackpool Combat Club or Dark Order in this match. So it was a straight one-on-one. And I like seeing that with moxley and Stu grayson here even when you have factions always at ringside you always think that somebody's gonna get involved you didn't have that here so that was a nice uh feel to this now later in the night you will see john moxley and the rest of blackpool combat club walk up on Stu grayson and the medical team looking after Stu, and they would just beat up on Stu grayson so you could tell that the blackpool combat club has a hit list and people on the dark order is on it the elites on it because i forgot to mention this 
during commentary of the night, you would uh, hear on commentary to that Brandon Cutler suggested that uh, Blackpool Comic Club attacked the Young Bucks. So that's the reason why the Young Bucks were taken out in the ambulance. So this is showing you that the Blackpool Comic Club is having a real big mean streak to them. And I like that. I like seeing that out of them. And it makes the Blackpool Comic Club at least more aggressive. And that's what you need, especially when you have someone like John Moxley. He can't be someone that's just floating around. No, he has to be a completely nasty, snarling person to someone. And I like that he has the addition of Claudio and Yuta making them be more nasty or more aggressive towards people. I like that. Now, on to the next matchup here. We have Sky Blue going against Tony Storm with the Outcast in her corner. Tony would win the match by a pinfall by hitting Storm Zero. The Outcast would get involved in the match, distracting the referee when Sky Blue would hit Code Blue and she would go for the pin. But, as I said, the Outcast would distract the referee. This would allow Tony to do what she had to do. Now, after the match, the Outcast would look to spray paint Sky Blue, but Willow Nightingale and Riho, who was running down to the ring with a pipe, would go to the ring and make the Outcast leave the ring. So, they stopped the outcast from spraying sky blue. So that's another uh, thing that we're dealing with here. Again, they're the outcast. They're just trying to beat up on all the AEW homegrown talent. So that's their whole mission statement here. Now we're off to the main event. It will be Kenny Omega with Don Callis in his corner going against El Helio Del Vinkingo. Now this would be a complete match of the night for AEW and another match of the year technically for Kenny Omega. When Kenny would win the match by pinfall by hitting Vinkingo with a V-trigger then a one-winged angel for the win. This match here made me open my eyes to Velkingo, uh, Vinkingo, or however you want to say my man's name. No disrespect. Completely no disrespect. Because when I saw this match with Vinkingo and uh, Omega, this just made me remember what TNA's like exhibition wrestlers would used to do directly in the ring. If you were around in, what, 2005, 2004, when... TNA had the exhibition with the uh, Christopher Daniels, the Amazing Red, the AJ Styles, um, Low Key, and all these other guys there. They will put on like some great, phenomenal, high flying, action packed uh, matches. And this match has had everything. You had the speed, you had the high flying ability from Velkingo, you had the strength, and uh, just. Whenever he wanted to throw Vikingo around when he could do it, Kenny Omega here, this match was everything that you wanted. And also, you had a table in this match. When Kenny Omega would be laid out on a table, Vikingo would run across the ring, hop off the second rope, and then literally dive from inside of the ring to outside of the ring and hit a 630 onto Omega through the table. It's a completely amazing feat when you see it. You can go and try to look for it on YouTube, or you can just go watch the episode of AEW Dynamite if you want to. I would say you want to, because this episode of Dynamite was actually great, in my personal opinion. But the highlight of it is literally the main event to me. So, go watch this match. And again, this is another match of the year candidate for Kenny Omega. He already had one at the beginning of the year with Will Ospreay, which we all knew that was going to happen. And now he has one right here with Vin Kingo. And this... Match, I forgot they were supposed to have uh, had this at AAA in 2021, but Kenny got injured, so he had to rehab himself. They mentioned that on commentary, too, and that's one thing I like about AEW Dynamite a lot. They like to bring you back into history for if you don't 
know something, they'll bring it to your attention as a fan. You'll be like, oh, okay, that's what this whole thing's about. So you at least have some knowledge about certain things. So again, let me get off my nerd stuff. But again, this match, great. Now, after the match, Kenny would be interviewed in the ring. Then the Blackpool Combat Club would attack him from behind. Now, as the Blackpool Combat Club are putting the boots to Omega, you will hear sirens going off in the arena. And then you will see on the screen, an ambulance would drive into the arena. And you will see Hangman come out of the driver's seat. And he will be carrying a 2x4 with nails in it. Now, Hangman would make his way down to the ring, get in the ring, and make Blackpool Combat Club leave the ring. Now, Hangman's looking at Blackpool Combat Club, making sure they don't get in the ring. Omega's being looked after by Don Callis. Callis would, like, tap the shoulder of Hangman. Hangman turns around, and he looks like he's about to hit Don, and he doesn't know that's Don, and Don starts putting his hands up in the air, being frightened. Now, Don goes into snake mode. He grabs the arm of Hangman. Hangman is not letting go, and then Don will look back to see if Kenny's about to get up. And Don would just throw himself onto the mat. And this will make it seem that Hangman did something to Don Callis. So once Kenny sees Don, Don is playing it up like Hangman did something to him as he's pointing at Hangman. And Kenny would get upset with Hangman and get in Hangman's face. And you start seeing them arguing. And Hangman's trying to explain that he did nothing to Don. And he's just trying to make sure that Blackpool Combat Club doesn't come back in the ring and try to hurt Kenny. And Kenny isn't trying to hear none of that. And he takes Don Callis out of the ring. And you start seeing... Kenny and Don walking up the ramp, and that's how Dynamite would end. So again, the pot thickens with the Elite, Don Callis, Hangman Page, and Blackpool Combat Club, and now also you got to throw in the Dark Order here. So you got a lot of people in this big, like stew of individuals and attitudes and stories, just mixing up here. You got the Elite trying to come back together, all four guys. Don Callis being the Snake trying to stay keep. Kenny Omega away from Hangman Page. You got Black Bull Combat Club wanted to get their hands on anybody that's associated with Hangman Page, whether it be the Elite or Dark Order. You got Dark Order wanted to get their hands on Black Bull Combat Club because they wanted to prove themselves to Hangman. I mean, you got a lot of stories literally mixed into this. And I like that because you don't know where this thing could literally end. Hopefully it ends with the Elite literally getting back together and probably pushing Don Callis out of the way. But it all depends on where they want to go with this. And again, they got a lot of ways they could go. So I'm going to be interested to see where it does. Now, with all that being said, that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to Impact Wrestling. Now, a couple things to note. One thing to note, Motor City Machine Guns have signed a new contract with Impact. It was reported by Sports Illustrated this week. Does not specify how long they have signed with Impact, but that's something to note. Two. This would be Taya Valkyrie's last appearance on Impact since she signed to AEW. And the way they write her off is by having her being dragged and put into a casket. And that's how they write Taya Valkyrie off here. Again, this still goes into play with the whole uh, Rosemary, Jessica deal with the devil type situation here. Or as they like to say, the dark powers here. So that's the way they signed and wrote off Taya Valkyrie here. So there you go. Now, first matchup for Impact, the design, which is Diener, uh, Angels, and Khan with Callahan in their corner going against Time Machine, the Motor City Machine Guns, and Kushida that consists of Time Machine. Time Machine would win the match by submission when Angels would tap out to the hoverboard lock from Kushida, and there would be a moment like towards the end of the match where 
Callahan actually stepped up for design and got in the ring to make sure that Time Machine wouldn't attack uh, Diener. And Callahan would eat super kicks from Saban and Shelly. So the Callahan is trying to prove himself to the design. Will that have any uh, work on them? I have no idea. We'll have to wait and see. Now, after this, we'll have Savannah Evans with Giselle Shaw and Jay Vidal in her corner going against Deanna Perrazzo. Deanna would win the match by pinfall by using a crucifix bomb for the win. Now, after the match, Savannah would hit Deanna in the back, then hold her for Giselle. Giselle would forearm Deanna Perrazzo. Then both Savannah and Giselle would stomp out Deanna. Savannah would hit Deanna with a full Nelson slam. And then she will hold her once again. So Giselle would hit Deanna Peraza in the face with a knee. So this is building up to uh, Giselle and Deanna Peraza's one-on-one match coming up. Now after this, we have Bully Ray and Masha Slamovich going against Tommy Dreamer and Mickey James. Bully and Masha would win the match by pinfall when Bully would pile-drive Tommy Dreamer. After the match, Masha would throw Mickey James back into the ring as Bully Ray is setting up a table. And Masha would tell Bully to put Mickey James through said table. Bully would have Mickey in between his legs and just hold her there. And Jordan Grace would run down to the ring with a kendo stick and hit Bully in the back with said kendo stick. Bully would turn around and stare at Jordan. Jordan would run off the ropes and look to hit Bully with a spear. But Bully would just move to the side and Jordan would accidentally spear Mickey James. Now, as the thing that we see with Mickey James and Jordan wouldn't look to help Mickey James up after she speared her. Usually in wrestling, uh, they usually have the good guy accidentally hit another good guy. They actually try to help them up and try to explain to them that didn't happen here. Jordan Grace would not try to help Mickey James up. She would just stare at Mickey and Tommy Dreamer would get in there and ask Jordan what happened. And Jordan would just try to mouth off to Tommy saying it wasn't her fault. She didn't mean to do that. And she would just look at Mickey and then leave the ring. Again, Jordan Grace is facing Mickey James for the Impact Knockouts Championship. So, will that have any consequences to that? I have no idea. We'll just have to wait and see. Now, off to the tag team match of Joe Hendry and Dirty Dango going against Moose and Brian Myers. Moose and Brian would win the match by pinfall when Moose would hit Joe Hendry with the spear. Then Brian would finish it off with the roster cut for the win. Now, off to the main segment. Josh Alexander, the Impact World Champion, would come down to the ring. He would talk about his upcoming opponent, at Rebellion, Steve Macklin, he says that he watched Steve Macklin kick the doors down since he got into Impact with a chip on his shoulder, and that made Josh respect Steve Macklin until Steve complained about management stacking a deck against him and proclaimed that Josh Alexander has been ducking him since Josh has been world champion. Josh will say that he has never ducked anyone. He has been facing anyone and everyone that wants to fight him. And Josh will say that it might be Steve that is ducking Josh because Steve is afraid of losing. Because if Steve loses to Josh, then he has nobody to blame but himself. And he will be back at the bottom of the barrel trying to scrape his way up. And he might be a forgotten son. Again, Josh was making reference to Steve Macklin's previous time at WWE NXT under the banner Forgotten Son here. Now, once he said that insult, Steve Macklin will come out and say that Josh is right about everything he has said. He is afraid about losing to Josh for the Impact World Championship. Steve would mention that he is obsessed with becoming world champion. He's obsessed with beating Josh for the world championship, and he will show Josh Alexander that he has been studying Josh 
ever since he's won the championship as he's been defending it the whole entire year last year. So you will see on the Titan Tron, Steve Macklin is showing Josh that he has been studying him. You will see various different footages of Steve behind the curtain watch Josh Alexander compete against various opponents last year as he was defending the Impact World Championship. So Steve was showing Josh that he has been studying him. So when Rebellion time comes, he could take the title off of Josh Alexander. So Josh would throw out the challenge to Steve and ask, why do we have to wait for Rebellion when we could just go right now for the World Championship? Steve would decline, saying that he is going to do it on his time, and that is at Rebellion in front of Josh's family, and that's how Impact ends with basically Macklin just walking back up the ramp and Josh looking at Steve Macklin here. Again, we're building up more anticipation for Josh Alexander and Steve Macklin. Steve Macklin has been busting his hump all 2022 to actually get a shot at the Impact World Championship and for him to just go at Josh right now instead of going at his designated time slot and designated area to go against Josh would be foolish on his, well, part. So it was smart on him to wait. So, will he win? We'll have to wait and see when it's time for Rebellion, and that's in another month from now. But anywho, that is your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to SmackDown, and on SmackDown, it would announce that John Cena versus Austin Theory will be the first match to open up WrestleMania weekend, meaning that it will be the first match on night one of WrestleMania. So, that's going to be interesting, because that's really going to kind of set the tone for WrestleMania, to be honest with you, because you got to think about it. If Austin Theory wins and John Cena loses... People are going to say, well, they're force-feeding Theory to everybody. But if John Cena wins and Austin Theory loses, well, people are going to think, okay, John Cena's here. We know he's not going to be here for long. Is he going to lose the championship night two of WrestleMania? Or is he going to lose it on uh, open challenge night for the Raw after Mania? Because they always got to have something big. So for them to declare that's going to be the first match to open up WrestleMania as a whole, I think that's pretty big. Now, off to the first match that happened on SmackDown, it would be Cody Rhodes going against Ludwig Kaiser with Giovanni Vinci in his corner. Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa would watch the match from ringside. Cody would win the match by a pinfall by hitting Crossroads for the win. And after the match, Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa would get in the ring. Paul would tell Cody that he will be facing Solo Sokoa on Monday Night Raw. And if he makes it past Solo, Cody will face Roman one last time on SmackDown before they face each other at WrestleMania. Cody would tell Paul that he isn't afraid to face Solo on Raw, and he will once again let Solo know that he isn't ready. And once he's done with Solo, Roman will find out that he isn't ready either at WrestleMania. So Cody would then throw the mic to Paul Heyman, and this is letting Cody throw out the challenge to basically say that he's not afraid of the bloodline, and he's just ready to take on those obstacles so he can get to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Now, after this, we have Charlotte Flair coming down to the ring and talk about her upcoming match with Rhea Ripley. Charlotte would mention three things that have been lobbied at her since she has started wrestling. Fear, insecurities, and nepotism. Charlotte would say that she doesn't fear Rhea Ripley. She respects Rhea, just like she respects all the women that came before her. She would mention Sasha Banks. She would mention Nikki Bella and Brie Bella. I mentioned these three to top it off because all three of these ladies are gone from WWE, and she actually said their name on WWE programming. She said Becky Lynch. She said Trish. She said Lita. She said Bailey. She mentioned a lot more other people, but she would just made that reference to make known that she respects all these women. She says that she has some insecurities. Yes, just like everybody. And on the nepotism fact, she loves her father. And she would never apologize for that. And at WrestleMania, one thing will remain the same. Diamonds are forever. 
and so is Charlotte Flair. So Charlotte is planning on still winning against Rhea at WrestleMania, or at least that's her plan to do. Now, after this, we have Rey Mysterio going against LA Knight. The Mysterio family would be watching from behind the barricade as the, uh, Ray's wife was there and his daughter is there. Dominic would come out to watch the match at ringside. Um, LA Knight would win the match by pinfall thanks to a little help from Dominic. When Rey Mysterio was going for the 619, Dom would grab Ray by the leg and this would make Ray stop and look at Dom. And this will allow LA Knight to get Rey Mysterio in a roll up and get the win. Now, after the match, Dom, again as usual, will ask Ray, is he going to wrestle him at WrestleMania, try to get him upset, and as usual, Ray will tell Dom no, and Ray would leave the ring and start walking up the ramp. So Dom had to turn up the volume a little bit. He knew that he had to go after Ray somehow, so he decides to go after his mother, who's sitting literally right at ringside. Did you know that you married a deadbeat? Actually, you did, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because you sat there every night while he abandoned me. And that makes you nothing better. So that makes you a deadbeat mom. Oh, what you gonna do about it? You better sit down, because you're too stupid to understand. Dominic. Mom? Shut up! Now, with Dom saying shut up to his mother, this will make Ray turn around, go up to Dom, and strike Dom right in the face. Now, once he does this, the whole crowd would erupt. Michael Cole would say, there you go, Ray. Everybody's so happy to see a father literally just hit their own son. And Ray would finally give in to Dominic's match at WrestleMania. You pushed me! You pushed me to do this! I didn't want to hit you! You made me hit you! You don't disrespect your mother like that! That's my wife! You wanted a fight at WrestleMania? You're on! I'll see you! At WrestleMania, son. So now it has been official. Rey Mysterio will be going against Dominic at WrestleMania. And everybody knew it was coming. It was building up to this. They finally got to it. I wish, just as a viewer and as a writer standpoint, I wish that they just would have waited to pull the punch back. Don't punch Dom here. Have him give Dom a little shove or a forceful shove to knock the win out of Dominic. Save that punch for WrestleMania. Because as soon as Ray would have punched Dom at WrestleMania, the first punch, that would have had the crowd going completely nuts. I still think the crowd's going to go nuts with seeing Ray just put the beating on Dom at WrestleMania. But just getting that first punch out and hearing the fans just go stupid dumb at WrestleMania, I think it just would have been better that way. But I'm not mad at the way they did it here still. But we still get to the point. We still got to our end destination. Ray Mysterio versus Dom at WrestleMania. I'm glad they actually did it. Now, it's kind of funny when you think about it. You have Rhea, who has a match at Mania. Finn, who has a match at Mania. Dom, who has a match at Mania. The only member of Judgment Day that doesn't have a match at Mania is literally Damian Priest. They do have the Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royal next week on SmackDown. I think Damian might be in it, and if he is, hopefully he wins that so he doesn't uh, get fully excluded from all of the WrestleMania activities. Because I think Judgment Day, even though it started off on a low note, it really picked itself up once Finn got into it. They kicked Edge out. And then once they really started to add Dominic into it as a group, they actually just started going 
up to the moon. So hopefully Damien wins that next week, but only time will tell. I just don't want Damien to be left out of the WrestleMania festivities. That's how I feel as a viewer. Now, after this, we will have a tag team matchup of Shotzi and Natalia going against Lacey Evans and Zia Lee. Raquel and Liv will be watching the match at ringside. Natalia would win the match for her team by submission when Natalia would make Zia Lee tap out to the sharpshooter. Now, Shotzi and Natalia have been added to the Fatal 4-Way Women's Tag Match at WrestleMania, and you will see Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler come out, and she will tell the ladies that they have been added to the Fatal 4-Way uh, Tag Match as well. So the three teams right now that have been clarified are Shotzi and Natalia, Raquel and Liv, and Shayna Baszler and uh, Ronda Rousey. There's still one more team missing. More than likely, we'll probably get an answer for that on Monday Night Raw or probably next week on SmackDown as well. Now, off to the contract signing between Gunther, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus. Sheamus will say that Drew backstabbed him because he is stealing his opportunity to win the Intercontinental Championship after everything they have been through for the past 15 years. Drew will tell Sheamus that he doesn't know how to separate business from personal. And Drew would tell Sheamus that he has beaten Sheamus before. And he knows that he could beat Gunther. That's something that Sheamus hasn't done. Gunther would tell Adam Pearce that he is going to defeat both Drew and Sheamus to retain his Intercontinental Championship. He would get all three men to sign the contract, and Gunther would ask Butch what is his problem, and Butch would just leap onto Gunther because Butch is always ready to fight. So we get a match between Gunther and Butch here. Gunther would win the match by pinfall by hitting the last symphony once Butch got done looking at the chaos that was happening around ringside. And what I mean by that is once Gunther and Butch was outside of the ring, Gunther threw Butch on top of the commentary table, and then you saw Gunther look at both Sheamus and Drew. Now, once Gunther turned around to look back at Butch, Butch jumped off the commentary table, and Butch would inadvertently attack Sheamus. Well, not Sheamus, Drew. And once that happens, Sheamus would walk up to Drew to try to explain that it was an accident, but Drew wasn't trying to hear that. Uh, Drew would get on the ring apron and have a stare down with Butch. Sheamus would pull Drew down. Butch would watch as Sheamus gets headbutted by Drew. Ridge Holland tries to go after Drew. Drew would send Ridge into the ring post. Sheamus would hit Drew with a knee to the face. And once Butch turned around, he ate a clothesline and then this beautiful uh, last symphony from Gunther. Now, after the match, Sheamus would get in the ring and have a stare down with Gunther. And during the stare down, you would see Drew get in the ring and he would hit Gunther with a Claymore kick. And that's how this segment would end. So, we're building up hype for their triple threat Intercontinental Championship match at WrestleMania. Again, I feel that's going to be the hard-hitting match. I think that's probably one of everybody's match of the weekend for everyone because we all know what all three men are going to be capable of doing. I just can't wait to see that one, to be completely honest with you. Just three guys just beating the absolute piss out of one another in the ring. That's going to be absolutely beautiful. Now, off to the main event segment. You have the Kevin Owens Show with Sami Zayn as a special guest. Kevin Owens will be out here showing love to Sammy, saying that for the past 12 months, there has only been one MVP in the WWE, and it's Sammy Zayn. Kevin Owens will give Sammy a new t-shirt that has Russell Zayn on the front of it and KO Mania on the back of it. You will see Sammy put the shirt on. Sammy and Kevin Owens would hug in the middle of the ring. The Usos would attack them from behind. The Usos would hit Kevin Owens with a double super kick and lay out Sammy Zayn with the 1D. KO would get a chair 
and this will make the Usos retreat, and that's how SmackDown ends. So we're still building up that match with Sammy, uh, the Usos, and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Hopefully that's going to be on night one. Again, I want them to have that match on night one, and this will have basically leave or lead into Roman Reigns' whole paranoia for night two. And again, I want to see multiple segments of the Usos trying to talk to Roman after they lose the championship on night one, or you can even do it on night two. And you can just see Paul Heyman basically shutting down the Usos because Roman trying to get his head right as he's uh, competing in the biggest match of his life against Cody Rhodes because Cody is going to be basically Roman's biggest threat because, again, the bloodline empire is starting to crumble all around him. So hopefully that's what happens. We'll have to wait and see. But with that, that is your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, since there is no AEW Rampage, because Rampage does show up on Saturdays, well, this week, Saturday, I decided to give you guys some news from the wrestling world that happened this week. The first thing that happened, well, not first, but I feel this is important, Impact Wrestling uh, World Heavyweight Champion Josh Alexander, he had to relinquish his uh, championship because he tore a tricep tear and he will require surgery. So at Rebellion, Kushida will take his place to go against Steve Macklin and they will crown a new Impact uh, World Champion. I feel sorry for Josh Alexander because Josh Alexander was on a uh, pretty historic run as Impact World Champion. He was the longest reigning Impact World Champ. And also, just that was just going to be the crowning moment for Steve Macklin. You kind of felt that was going to be the thing for Steve because they've been building Steve Macklin up literally for the past year in 2022. They've been building up Josh Alexander as this unstoppable champion in 2022. And just to see these two guys have that match at Rebellion and Steve Macklin probably beat Josh Alexander and have that homecoming, well, not homecoming, but get that warm welcome as being an Impact World Champion. It just would have felt well, and it just would have been like, okay, job well done. But since Josh is going to be injured right now, he's going to be on the uh, shelf. This is basically going to give Steve Macklin more time to have a reign of terror, beat up people, brutalize people, until Josh comes back and be the heroic uh, champion, and they can have an undisputed championship match. But until then, I want to wish Josh Alexander the best in his recovery and the best in his uh, surgery of his tricep tear. And uh, Impact's just going to bounce back, and they can't wait to have you back as well, uh, Josh Alexander. Now, off the second thing, Alexa Bliss. Now, everybody was wondering, even myself, why was Alexa Bliss off of WWE uh, television for so long? What's what's the deal? She's been off of television since January, which was about, what, Royal Rumble time? Their last match was her going against Bianca Belair. And apparently, she uh, had some procedure to take off. Um, the earliest form of skin cancer. So she clarified it this week on Instagram. She posted a Instagram story, which revealed a scar on her face. She captioned her Instagram post, Dear Younger Me, you should have stayed out of the tanning bed. All clear now. Thank you, American Skin Institute, for taking care of me. So again, she is fine now. She's recovering. She's good. It was just a uh, skin cancer scare, but let this be a warning to everybody that uses a tanning bed still to this day. Don't use those. Apparently, they're not healthy for your skin. If you want to get a uh, bronzer type skin, you just go and get spray painted. Well, not spray painted, but get uh, spray tanned. Do that. I don't need spray tan because I'm a black dude. I'm kind of got enough melanin in me, but 
you get the drift. If you want to be a tanner up, just uh, get a spray tan. So that's the other news of the week. Also, Akira Tozawa, his wife would give birth to their daughter, uh, Ten. So Akira is now a father and he now has a daughter. So congratulations to Akira Tozawa. Off to the next thing, Naomi. She is officially done with the WWE as she basically responded to a person's uh, comment on Instagram and a person asked her if she's still with WWE and she replied by saying no. And Russell Khan would have her up there as being a person that's going to be at Russell Khan. It says Trinity Fatu. She will be at Russell Khan. She'll be at both Saturday and Sundays. Uh, Russell Khan uh, meet and greets. So she'll be there for you guys to take photo ops with. Please be respectful. Please don't be stupid. Please just be kind and courteous to her. And I understand we're all going to be questioning when she's going to get back into wrestling. Is she ever going to do it again? Is she going to get back in the ring? Yes or no? I have my thoughts on when she might be getting back in the ring, but I'll wait for that because I think there's one particular way of how we're going to get her back in the ring. But again, I'll wait to see if that situation does come about because as soon as the groundwork is laid for it, I promise you I will be throwing my idea into the ring of how I think she could get back into a professional wrestling. But she's no longer with WWE. She's a free agent. She's able to do whatever she wants. So congratulations to uh, Trinity Fatu, formerly known as WWE's Naomi. Now, moving over to AEW news. Tony Khan, the boss of AEW, he spoke with Adrian Hernandez of the Bet Las Vegas and Sporting Tribune. And during that interview, he was asked about Bill Goldberg. The reason why he was asked about Bill Goldberg was because Bill Goldberg is no longer with the WWE. His contract has uh, expired. He is not re-signed with the WWE as of this time of this recording. And whenever uh, this person, Mr. Hernandez, talked to Tony Khan and about that whole situation going down, he asked Tony, does he feel that he would bring in Goldberg? And Tony will respond by saying, I think he's a household name in professional wrestling. And certainly that's interesting to hear that Bill is a free agent. So it's something to follow. And he's one of the biggest names in wrestling. And certainly will be something else to keep an eye on for us. But we have so many great wrestlers in AEW and so many exciting things happening in AEW week to week that it's always an exciting time. But Bill is an exceptionally exciting name and one of the biggest names in the sport. So certainly that's a big thing for us to pay attention to. I will take notice of that and it is interesting. So you can kind of see if Tony Khan has an idea of bringing Goldberg in. He's not going to completely throw his cards out on the table by saying, yes, I want to sign Goldberg and basically allow WWE to get the opportunity to snatch up Goldberg back. Because think about it, if WWE wanted Goldberg, they could have easily re-signed Goldberg and ta-da, there would be no news of this right now. But since they did not re-sign Goldberg at the time of this recording, remember this, um, Tony Khan has the opportunity to speak with Goldberg whenever he wants to try to get Goldberg pinned down to at least join AEW for a couple of showings. And personally, I think this is a great place for Goldberg to show up. If I want to be completely honest, he did his deal in WWE. That's fine. That's cool. Now it's time for you to show up in AEW. Because when you think about it, AEW is on Turner Broadcasting uh, Networks, TBS, TNT, the same exact places that uh, WCW used to be, the place where Goldberg made his name. And when you think about it, who's on AEW right now? You have Sting, you have 
Arn Anderson, whenever they have him back up there. You have Chris Jericho. You have Tony Schiavone. You have Diamond Dallas Page, and I believe Diamond Dallas Page might even make an appearance if they bring Goldberg up back up there. Because my idea is, if Goldberg goes to AEW, you can have a little mini WCW like little segment there of Tony Schiavone interviewing Goldberg, Sting coming out to shake Goldberg's hand, and them have a nice reunion. Diamond Dallas Page is making a nice pop just to show up to people. Those three have a nice WCW moment right there. Chris Jericho and some other guys from the Jericho Appreciation Society comes down to the ring. Jericho talks about those three being the biggest jerk-offs in WCW when he was there at the time. And now look how the tables have turned. All three of them are fossils while he's at the top of the food chain here in AEW, the same brand that is now on the company where WCW used to be at. You can see Goldberg basically spear one guy from the Jericho Appreciation Society, Diamond Dust Page hitting a diamond cutter, Sting hitting the Scorpion Death Drop on one of the guys of Jericho's group, and Jericho just being the last guy standing. And Goldberg can hit him with a spear and a jackknife, and you can see a Goldberg versus Chris Jericho match on AEW. Now, do I think people will be excited about it? You're in the 50-50 slot there. But at least you could do something with Goldberg, and it'll be a nostalgia factor, because there's no other better drug in this world than nostalgia, especially during the time of something that was hot. And WCW was a hot commodity in the late 90s, especially with the Monday Night War with WWF, WWE, in WCW, and Goldberg being one of their top guys at that time. So if they can get Goldberg and you can pull off that segment and Goldberg versus Jericho being the first thing, that's cool. And then you can have Goldberg being transitioned off into a mentor type role for one of the guys in AEW. Someone probably like a Wardlow that needs a mentor because Wardlow, I think, will probably benefit from being the guy that Goldberg just bees beside and just straight up destroys everyone, if I'm going to be honest. But then again, you could probably look for somebody else for Goldberg to mentor to be that ultimate destruction machine. But that's just me throwing my hat and idea into the ring for if they bring Goldberg into AEW. But time will tell on that. Now on to the last topic of wrestling news that happened this week. Thursday, CM Punk, my guy. CM Punk. Boy, do you know how to make things interesting and make the block hot for yourself, do you? This happened all on Thursday when CM Punk would post up a now-deleted Instagram story as he responded to a claim by Dave Meltzer on the message board about CM Punk initially refusing to lose at John Moxley on the August 24th, 2022 episode of AEW Dynamite. Here's what Dave Meltzer said as he was responding to a question of to why the Punk versus Moxley build at AEW's All Out event last year was so short. He says because Punk agreed to it, then AEW got a legal letter saying he wasn't down with it and wasn't doing it, and they didn't know if he would come until Tony put his foot down. There are a lot of nice things that I can say about him, and you can absolutely argue his position on Moxley was correct, but you can't argue he willingly did what he was asked in that scenario. So when Punk got wind of this, he would put up his side on the Instagram story, and he would say, Sigh. I wasn't cleared to come back to wrestle yet. The plan was to wrestle at the pay-per-view. I sat and listened to Moxley's Rocky 3 idea. I explained how I've never seen a Rocky movie, and I thought the idea sucked. But if the boss wanted to do it, whatever. He said he wouldn't lose to me. I never experienced someone refusing to lose to me. I just laughed. 
I asked Tony if this was what he wanted. He said yes. He's the boss, so I said okay. But I need to be cleared first. They kept saying it could be a squash, meaning a squash match. So I didn't need to be cleared. I scoffed at that. My health is more important. Dave Meltzer is a liar. Chris Jericho is a liar and a stooge. There are plans, but plans always change. But I've never put a company above my health ever again. Now, why did he throw Chris Jericho into this? People are saying and people are believing that Chris Jericho is a guy that is one of Dave Meltzer's sources and rumored to throw uh, ideas over to Meltzer saying that Punk is a cancer or whatever might have you saying bad things about Punk. So Meltzer could just throw that out to the wrestling uh, fandom that follow his uh, wrestling observer stuff. And Punk just got tired of it. I could just see Punk just getting tired and you just want to throw out his side of the story. Because when you think about it, the all-out stuff happened in what? Was it August? I don't believe August. I believe probably around like September-ish. So that stuff happens there. He gets pissed. You haven't heard nothing from CM Punk about that matter or AEW business for legit a while of time since September, the all-out brawl-out type stuff happened. He's been silent. He's been posting up things here and there on social media, but not nothing pertaining to wrestling specifically. This is his first thing that really, really like came out there. And for him to trash, basically, yo, I'm not going to let a company dictate me if my health isn't right. My health is important to anything. This is basically just him pushing back to everybody. He's tired. He's done. I feel that Punk got tired of having people just throw smut on his name. Because when you think about it, when you look at what happened when the Bucks came back, the Bucks came back and in Chicago, Punk's hometown, you saw the Bucks make some references to CM Punk in their match against Death Triangle. If you don't remember, you can go watch it. Uh, they made mention of Punk failing to hit the Buckshot Lariat at one mention. You saw Kenny Omega like posing to do the GTS. You saw Kenny even biting one of their opponents, and they're making reference to Ace uh, Steel biting Kenny Omega in the backstage brawl out at All Out backstage. So Punk has been radio silent about the whole situation. Yes, I believe he went on to some type of uh, do commentary for a amateur MMA show, and he made like a brief touching of the matter, but it wasn't like in detail the way that you can see the Bucks were playing up to the whole deal. Punk is tired. Punk is just wanting to just get his side out. He at least had to do something because when you constantly have somebody throw smut on your name and say something bad about you for months and it's never, ever a good feeling, especially when you just kept to yourself and stay silent and just kept quiet. That's all Punk did. Punk stayed silent and kept quiet. I can't wait personally for Punk to either come back and he just start getting on that microphone and start wilding on people, or B, he leaves from AEW's contract and he just starts, and I mean this, if Punk does this, if Punk actually just goes on Instagram, goes on Twitter, goes to somebody's uh, social media stuff and just let it rings off and just say, yo, this is what happened. This is exactly what went down. I tired of people just stabbing me in the back trying to say that I did this I was bad for business blah 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 and we get that 
That's what I'm waiting for Punk to at least say it or do. Because you know what? I want to hear from Punk. Something has to happen. And also, I want the wrestling fans to know this. You guys need to relax. Here's what you guys need to do. Whenever a situation occurs like this, you need to do two things. One, do not listen to quote-unquote journalists that say, I have sources or I'm in the know. They more than likely do not have sources and they do not know what's really going on like that. Because let's be honest, Malachi Black, his whole situation, if people remember, he was quote-unquote reported to be leaving AEW, blah, 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 after his all-out stuff, but that didn't happen. He ended up getting on Instagram Live and denying all that stuff. He said that Tony Khan gave him some time to basically take for himself to recoup blah, 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 take care of his own personal issues. And Malachi came out and said, yo, don't believe all these people. If they couldn't get my contract date right to me, my contract expiring, they don't know nothing. That's the basics of anything. Just know when my contract expires. And they don't even know that. So until I say something, don't believe them. And that's my way of how I see a lot of things. And that was my second thing. Until a wrestler comes out and says something, don't ask about it because guess what they're going to come out and say something believe me in due time they will and just to prove my point once CM Punk put that Instagram post out well that story the next day Friday Matt Jackson he posted up a short uh YouTube clip of him and Nick throwing up the shield fist and this is going back to a BTE uh little sketch with him and Moxley in the Young Bucks and Moxley just looking at them in disgust and just walking away. And it was basically uh, Matt in the caption post saying, thank you, Moxley. You've held up AEW on your back in the darkest of time. It's basically a John Moxley appreciation post because he's saying that CM Punk crapped on John Moxley. I didn't see uh, Punk crapping on John Moxley in this uh, Instagram story and what he was saying. He just said that Moxley's idea sucked. It's fine to say a co-worker's idea sucked. It's fine. And just to say that, yo, he didn't want to lose to me. I never experienced someone wanting to lose to me. Punk said he just laughed. Punk didn't say, yo, how unprofessional him. He said, I never experienced my one not wanting to lose to me. And I laughed. I take that as okay. He was just saying what actually happened from his side. Now, Moxley, he could say that. He could say what he needs to say if he wants to say something. And by God, he has. He has a book talking about his time in WWE. It's out there. Moxley, you can read it. So, again, wrestlers are able to talk about what actually happened. So, Punk doing this, I'm just glad he's actually able to say something. We've been begging and pleading as fans to actually hear something from him. And we actually have. So, with this now being the case, what is Punk's situation with AEW? Is he going to meet with Tony Khan after this? I think that Tony and Punk should have a long talk and a long conversation. I think that Punk should get on the phone with Tony, the Bucks... Jericho, legal, everybody. Because this thing with Punk and AEW, something has to give. Either one, people in AEW need to shut their mouth about Punk until Punk comes back and they actually mend fences. Or either two, Punk needs to straight up leave from AEW. They need to find a way that is great for AEW, ASEAN Punk, do what they have to do, separate the business relationship and just be done. Because guess what? If you have Punk still on your roster... It's still going to have people wondering, okay, is Punk going to come back? Is he not going to come back? The whole Punk is going to be looming over AEW. 
Once you guys say, hey, yo, Punk is not coming back to AEW, yes, he's going to be looming over AEW for a good couple months, the same way that he has been looming over AEW, or at least the brawl that has been looming over AEW for months, right? But once you guys have clarified that Punk is no longer a part of AEW, guess what? You guys will be able to come out of that dark time, because guess what? You guys said it, the fans will appreciate it. The fans will say, okay, cool. Yes, you'll get some pushback for it. How dare you keep the Bucks? How dare you keep Katie? How dare you keep Paige? How dare you keep Jericho? Blah, 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 blah. You're going to encounter that the same way WWE has. But if you took in lessons from WWE, how they handle it, they still go about business as usual. In AEW, yes, they're a new company. Yes, they're going to experience growing pains. And this is definitely going to be one of their growing pains here. But they need to grow as a company. They need to keep going. So, in my personal opinion, again, this is just personal here, opinion. I think that they need to do either one or two things. Keep them and get them on a call with everybody and get everything out of the way. And basically say, yo, no more talking to Meltzer or whatever may have you. And after that, Tony and Punk need to have a long, legit conversation. Because I think Tony is actually able to keep Punk calm, to be honest with you. But that's just one option. Or B... They need to figure out a way with legal Tony and Punk to get him separated from the company, and that'll be it. Now, with all that being said, this has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. I thank you. I have a Sunday episode coming out tomorrow. It's going to be about the news as usual. If you missed, my Wednesday episode is the midweek breakdown. I talked about some etiquette that people are lacking in this world and also the situation that happened with Donald Trump earlier in this week. And also the song of the week was Benny Sings featuring Mark DeMarco, Rolled Up. I think you guys might enjoy that song. But with all that being said, and that's me sponsoring myself in advertising, I love you all. I thank you. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. I want you guys to have a blessed week. Please tune in to my Sunday episode tomorrow if you can. If you don't, I'm fine with that too. But I will be back here again for your Wrestling Highlights of the Week next Saturday. Now with that, I love you all. I thank you. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired, you tired, uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.